Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pole Position Podcast. Uh, in this episode I'm going to be talking about all the latest news around the world of Formula One. Uh, in this week's news we're going to talk about Renault and, and all their preparations for the first race of the season. This is coming close now, we're so close, less than a month away from the first race of the year now in Austria at the Red Bull Ring and Renault have been testing um, their cars at the actual uh, racetrack before the season starts. Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon are getting out on track. We've also got Charles Leclerc, news about him, not only uh, talking about him and his rivalry with Vettel last year, but looking at getting uh, the, the new car for 2020, um, taking it for a spin around the streets of Maranello. Uh, we've also got the news um, like coming out of sources that McLaren might be um, exploring a partial sale of their Formula 1 team, we're going to be discussing that. Um, also about Mercedes um, when they announced that the engine chief Andy Cowell is set to leave the team. Uh, and then of course just other things, we've got to talk about Bottas and what's the podium ceremonies are going to be like at the 2020 race weekend for Formula 1. So we're going to talk about all that in this episode of the Pole Position Podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new video and a brand new um, audio of the Pole Position Podcast. Um, I've already done an intro, so without further ado, let's get into the new stories that have happened in the last few weeks uh, in the world of Formula 1. Now I'm going to start with uh, Renault who obviously been aiming to hit the ground running um, in terms of the, the new season, and obviously the new season starting in less than a month now, at the beginning of July, so I'm really looking forward to it. Finally, we get to discuss some Formula 1. I can't wait to do um, F1 previews, and then obviously um, race reviews as well. Really looking forward to that. But in terms of Renault and their preparations, both drivers uh, in Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon have been getting behind the wheel of their 2018 car, um, Obviously, Ricardo jumping into the RS18, um, Renault Sport 18, um, which took fourth in the championship that season. But they've been out and about testing the car. Um, also, Mercedes have also been running their car for 20, uh, in 2018. Um, Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton both out in Silverstone doing that as well. Um, so all the drivers are getting out on tack in, in some form of car or another just to get their season, um, their preparation going. They've obviously been doing the simulator work as well, but they're actually out on track um, at the moment, you know, getting preparations ready for, for the new season. And it's good to see. Obviously, we're not watching it. It's not like um, pre-season testing was at the beginning of this year. It's actually the first time we actually got to saw every... Um, Every day's worth testing live. You know, you could watch it for the whole day, which obviously was fantastic. I haven't really had that before. It's normally highlights of the day that go on YouTube or you know on on a channel that you know around the world that you watch. Um, so it's been you know obviously different to what we had at the beginning of this year in terms of testing, but you know um, drivers are getting out on track, and you know I think people are looking forward to it. We've obviously had. Um, in terms of this country, in terms of the UK, we've obviously had the Premier League come back um, yesterday. I'm, I'm filming this on Thursday, so um, the first games were back on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, we've obviously had that back as well. Other sports are coming back. So it's actually really good to see um, that, that you know, obviously Formula One is coming back and that the drivers are actually getting prepared now because it actually means, you know, in, in sort of the mindset, OK, we're actually coming back now. Um, you know, after all them months of, of, you know, not having anything to do with Formula One. Um, so, you know, on July the 5th, Formula One is back, and that's great. Um, Daniel Ricciardo did 115 laps uh, in the Renault um, on, um, I think it was Tuesday, I'm not sure. 
Um, but yeah, he did he did um, 115 laps on that, which is really good to see. Um, actually, around the Red Bull ring as well, which is obviously only going to help when they go to actually race around there. Um, like I said, on on July the 5th, so that's good for him. I'm just going to see. I think Ocon was the next day, so I just need to see how many laps he did uh, if it comes up on the screen. Do uh, do do do. Ricardo did 115. Yes, we know. Ocon did 143 laps. Apologies if this isn't um, like as accurate, um, but yeah, I'm sort of doing it off the cuff as I normally do. Um, but yeah, um, Ocon did 143 laps of the Austrian circuit, so obviously did more than his teammate, um, which again is only going to be good news for Esteban Ocon, who's actually you know has had his delayed um, start comeback to, to to Formula One, as it were. Um, you know, has been waiting to get back into the sport for a year now and had to wait that little bit longer, um, like everybody else. So, you know, it, it's obviously good that to get 145 laps in, uh, 143, sorry, I'm already getting it wrong. Um, yeah, it's good that he got the 143 laps in and, you know, it's good to get on the belt. I mean, obviously, like I said, they've got um, other teams that have been doing it as well. Racing Point were also out um, the same day that Ocon were, again, you know, doing um, Silverstone. Uh, Alpha Tauri were out as well um, on a filming day in Imola. Oh, that's on June the 24th. So Alpha Tauri are doing a filming day at Imola on the 24th um, ahead of the film. So like I said, all the teams are getting into um, you know doing the best things for them, getting prepared for the season. Um, like I said, they will have all been doing simulator work as well. But um, to actually be out on track in a car, obviously not the car for this year, but you know some sort of Formula One car um, out on track is you know probably huge for them. So it, it's really good to see, and obviously we'll be keeping a close eye on, on on that and seeing what's going on. But you know ultimately our focus will turn on to the beginning of July and, and the start of the season again. So um, yeah, not long now to go, um, and like I said, I keep saying it uh, in the first few minutes already, but I'm really looking forward to. Um, the start of the season now a bit of news from last year um, we've obviously um, I think Mark Webber was doing a um, one of the podcasts for one of the Formula 1 sites um, and he was discussing about um, uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel in terms of their rivalry last year um, I thought it was really interesting because obviously we know that Mark Webber has, has been a teammate of Sebastian Vettel's. He's obviously fell out with his teammate of Sebastian Vettel um, You know they are good friends now so you know, there obviously isn't any um, like hatred or you know any issues between them now. I think they're good friends. Um, you know, he partnered Vettel at Red Bull for five years, so you know they spend a lot of time together. Um, and you know, he was talking about it, and and you know, more in the sense, you know, there's there's quotes here. You know, Seb under under the Ferrari regime, you know, he's just literally run out of puff there. Um, Charles come in clearly massively quick, full of energy, um, appetite, naivety. Uh, and naivety, uh, as Weber puts in this quote, is a great thing. You know, you just come in and you just go for it. You know, where Sebastian Vettel's been sort of working at it for the last few years, and and here comes Charles Leclerc like a young gun, straight out of the traps, and and you know, actually gets the first win out of the any out of the two Ferrari drivers in the year. I think Sebastian Vettel had to wait till Singapore to get his um, you know Formula One win of that year. Uh, and you know Charles Leclerc gets it in Spa and at Monza in you know obviously the home of, of Ferrari in Italy. So you know I, like I said I, you know I think you know um, Weber is right in the fact that you know Charles Leclerc just came in and and just you know sort of came out of the blocks and I think obviously Vettel I think would have been um, prepared for that. But you know I still think you got to think well okay Charles Leclerc really has you know come in you know he really has performed. Um, especially in terms of, I think, what Vettel had with Kimi Raikkonen. I think there was very much just a sort of stable partnership between him and Raikkonen. 
and you know, suddenly Ferrari sort of change guns. They go for a young driver, and you know it must have taken Vettel by some sort of surprise how quick Leclerc sort of got used to the Ferrari, not just the car but the team, um, where they're based, um, you know how they deal with it. Like they said, their regime, like Weber said. Um, so yeah, you know, it must have taken him by surprise. But you know, we obviously all know what's happening next year. We all know Carlos Sainz is going to Ferrari alongside um, uh, Leclerc. So that will be interesting. Uh, in terms of what Weber actually said about Sebastian Vettel, um, he put, "As for Vettel himself, I think he'll have a year off. Um, I hope uh, for all of us he can reju- rejuvenate himself and get back into the spirit of wanting to uh, be competing at the front again in Formula One." I think he can reinvent, uh, reinvent himself. I can't say that today, uh, but he's got to have sort of the atmosphere. He's really, really, really got to miss um, the way of going racing, uh, like he did a bit at, at Red Bull. Um, so that's interesting that he actually thinks he's going to have a year off from the sport and actually come back. Um, you know, my uh, interpretation of what's happened. I think if he was going to take a year off, it would have been announced by now. Um, I obviously don't have anything. Um, as much expertise as Mark Webber does, and obviously being his teammate, he obviously you know must know um, him more than anybody else. Um, so you know, if Vettel um, does do that, that would be a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I still think he'd probably be on the grid somewhere next year. I think if he took a year off, would he actually come back? I think that would be interesting. Would would a team you know retake him back? Maybe like what has happened with Ocon. Um, you know, who knows? I think it would be interesting, but obviously that's um, his points. That's what Mark Webber thinks. Um, and uh, yeah, let me know in the comment section below if Vettel took a year off. Do you think he'd come back a better driver? Do you think he'd come back at all? Would he really come back after a year off in the sport and spending time maybe with his family and, and you know less time in a car? Let me know. And then sticking with Ferrari, um, like I said, um, Charles Leclerc, um, like other drivers, has been behind the wheel of a Formula One car in the last couple of days. But not just any Formula One car, the actual car they're going to be driving this year. Um, I bet most of the others haven't actually driven the car in the last few weeks or months um, in any other teams. But Charles Leclerc has had the privilege of driving um, the actual car, the SF1000, took it for a spin around the streets uh, of Marin Len- uh, around the streets of Maranello. Goodness me, I cannot speak tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what time in the day they decided to do that. I think I got the um, sort of uh, updates in the morning at some point. So I know there's an hour time difference between here and Italy, but um, you know, goodness me, I hope it wasn't too early in the morning because if that was making a racket around the uh, the, the streets, the residents of Maranello probably wouldn't be too happy. I know they're obviously all uh, love Ferrari, but you know, if you're trying to get a lion, I wouldn't want to be woken up too early from them. Um, but um, yeah, he went for a spin. It's it's all on um, like social media for Ferrari. So you know, give that a uh, a check out. That's for sure. But um, yeah, obviously Charles Leclerc happy to be back behind the car. Of course, um, he's even put. I don't normally like getting up early, but this morning was a great reason to do so. Uh, Maybe it woke a few people up, but it was great to drive through the streets of Maranello in the SF1000. Um, and obviously, I think Leclerc's picked an amazing picture as well um, on his Twitter. So, um, yeah, that, that we'll check that out as well. That's a really good looking. And normally, I don't say much about the Ferrari cars because I just think, you know, they do look a bit the same. Um, but uh, it does look a really nice car this year. I hope it's as 
um, you know, quick as it looks. I hope uh, it really does challenge at the top this year. I think um, to have Vettel in his last year, giving it everything in a in a car that actually could fight for for more wins than the one that happened at uh, the one um, car they had last year. Um, I think that would be, you know, great, you know, especially if if he does obviously going to leave Ferrari this year, maybe even the sport. I think it would be great to to have him in a, a really fast car this year. So hopefully, um, and we have said this for a few years now, but hopefully Ferrari do have a really quick car this year. Um, but yeah, um, Charles Leclerc getting his preparations by driving around the streets of Maranello. Now we actually have some news about McLaren. Um, now this is all new to me. Um, you know, I have been um, back at work now, so um, you know I haven't been on you know furlough and, and checking every hour for, for F1 news. Um, but um, looking on here, um, Sky News, I think sources, so it's, it's speculation at the minute. But McLaren are exploring the options of selling a partial stake in the Formula One operations. Um, in response, a team spokesperson said, we don't comment on speculation. So this is just speculation. However, you know, when news stories come out like this, um, you've obviously got a Sky News story. Formula One actually put the post up as well. So FormulaOne.com them- themselves have put a post up. So, you know, if, if these two sources and, you know, I mainly look at the Formula One. So if Formula One themselves have put a news story up, you know, it's definitely worth exploring what, what the story is. Um, but it says, however, um, F1.com has learned that McLaren are in exploratory phases of selling a minority share uh, with the aim of using the funds to bolster their resources and help take the fight to the big three teams. Now, I don't see an issue with this. I, I Like if if they're looking at, especially with what's happened in terms of the pandemic as well, if you're looking at best ways to not only save a bit of money, but also use the money that, you know, obviously you, you do save to push um, the team as high up to, to fighting the top three teams. We obviously know that there's a budget cap coming in and things like that, which is obviously only going to help um, in the next few years. I say few because I don't know how long it's going to take in terms of the budget cap actually working. Um, but if you can use it now and, and find ways to, to help uh, maybe bolster funds you know, to, to, to help fight um, and, and, and compete against the top three teams, then you know, I don't see an issue with it. There's obviously going to be loads of people out there, even at this time, with, 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 like I said, with what's happened. There, there'll obviously be people out there that will want to buy a stake in, in McLaren. Um, I think even though where they've been in the last, say, five years, I think McLaren is such still a big name in the sport that you know if somebody comes along and they say there's an opportunity to, to have a um, stake in McLaren, that they're obviously going to take it. So, yeah, in terms of, of, of what's happening at McLaren, you know, should the sale go ahead, you know, I like I said, I don't think it's it's an issue. I think everything will be fine in terms of what happens at McLaren. They're obviously um, looking at making a possible number of redundancies as well, you know, in terms of what's happened. But um, that's across the technology, automotive and racing businesses. So it does involve, I think, you know, the Formula One team itself. Uh, it was obviously a restructure in terms of what's happened in terms of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and then the budget cap going into to 2021 as well. So, um, yeah, you know, the the news of sort of McLaren looking at maybe putting a partial sale to their F1 team also comes off the back of the news that Williams are still considering selling a minority or majority stake in the Formula 1 team. Um, you know, I, I've obviously discussed that already. I think um, a minority would probably be best. I, I really don't want them to... to 
lose a majority stake in the team because I just you know it won't be the same team. You know they might as well just the people that come in and buy a majority stake in, in Williams might as well just buy a, a brand new Formula One team because it won't be called Williams anymore. So um, that's what I'd feel anyway. But obviously news. If this is a if this is a, a story that's actually true, then this this news story is going to continue. But I just thought I'd mention it in the podcast um, that McLaren um, sources are saying that McLaren are exploring a partial sale of the Formula One team. So that'll be interesting to see um, if that actually does happen. Now to news that actually is confirmed, um, and that's that Mercedes have announced that their engine chief Andy Cowell is to leave the team. Now I'm guessing it's to leave the team at the end of the year. Um, so let's have a look uh, the man who has overseen the production of the V6 hybrid power units and obviously has won six constructive uh, six consecutive should I say um, have won six consecutive double world championships for Mercedes is to leave his role as managing director now I, I think that sort of understates the job that obviously it's not just um, you know the man of Andy Cowell. It's not just him that that's done that. It's the whole uh, team and, and the people that he oversees as well. But to to be somebody as a managing director to say that in your team in the years you've been there has won six consecutive um, double world championships, not just the 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 drivers championship or just the constructors championship to win both. Um, is huge and, and obviously we've said how big that is for Mercedes and how they keep coming back and wanting to do it more um, but you know his um, intention to, to depart uh, in January so that's uh, you know giving them half the year to sort of find somebody else but um, yeah to, to, to leave the role in January is you know huge he spent the last seven years there uh, in the uh, the powertrains department but has worked uh, in there in total for 16 so you know he's he's done his fair share, should I say? Um, just goes into to to this of what um, Andy Cowell has done. Um, you know he he worked in the Cosworth engine um, sort of factory to deal with Johnny Herbert. Um, you know when he won the 1999 European Grand Prix. Um, you know with Stewart the BMW engines that powered Williams to to four wins in uh, four wins in 2001, uh, and has worked obviously with team principal Toto Wolff and Daimler's uh, Marcus Schaefer. I want to say I've got your name right, Marcus. Uh, apologies if I haven't. Uh, in the managing structure of Mercedes. Um, now, Toto Wolf and his leadership for the team um, at the HPP has taken has been a key factor in our championship success in in recent seasons. And you know, and again, you know that is true. I think, like I said, it, it sort of understated how well that achievement is. Um, so it's going to be a big role to fill. And, and obviously, this has come off the back of. Um, Valtteri Bottas not having a contract, Lewis Hamilton not having a contract yet. Toto Wolff is still in debate of what's going to happen with him. You know, he's obviously said you know he he expects to stay at the team, but I don't think his contract's been sorted yet as well. So to have um, a huge managing director in the team of Mercedes decide to, to leave after this amount of time, um, with obviously all this still going around of the other people in the team, you know, not having a contract as it were is interesting i'm probably not going to read too much into it but it is you know an interesting topic and i think could be discussed more with the fact that you know mercedes like that haven't you know signed all these people down to, to contracts but hey you know that's probably another video to discuss and another um sort of uh, podcast to talk about but um yeah just to sort of clarify that you know mercedes announced engine chief uh, you know who, who has helped them to win six double 
um, cons as constructor and driver in you know, a world championships um, for Mercedes is to leave his role as managing director. Like I said, that is huge shoes to fill. Now we talked to, we've just talked about Valtteri Bottas, but we're just going to bring it up again. Um, this is a driver who, in my opinion, does have to really perform this season. Uh, you know, I for the last two years have said I'd like Valtteri Bottas to win the championship as the drivers' championship. And just hasn't been, you know, uh, I think last year was obviously his best year, but still he was sort of um, in and out of, of what was going on in the race. And he was never every race at the front fighting for the top. Uh, you know, we would see him drop down to fourth or six and really struggle in some racetracks. And, you know, obviously if you're going to win the championship, you need to iron out them sort of issues. Um, now we obviously discussed it a couple of weeks ago about the fact that Mick Hakkinen was was talking about Valtteri in in you know his performances and, and what he needs to do to prove himself more. And Bottas has put out a sort of um, news story with Formula One and said every mistake will cost more this season, as he targets his his maiden title win. Um, now for me this will be really interesting. You know obviously we've got Sebastian Vettel um, leaving Ferrari. We've got Lewis Hamilton still in that contract rumored situation. Fausto Bottas obviously is in one as well, like I've just said. But I think if Bottas can win the championship this year, um, and I do think that is a possibility. Like I said, I've said it for the last two years. I'm going to say it again. I still think it's a possibility. Um, uh, but if he could, with uh, Lewis Hamilton as well, getting that, trying to get that last championship to, to be on par with Schumacher, I think that could be really tasty for the team of Mercedes. I think obviously if, if Bottas wins the championship, he will stay at the team. Um, you know, you can't kick somebody out who's just won the driver's title, of course. So, um, yeah, I think it would be interesting for their sort of relationship between Hamilton and Bottas as well. Um, would Hamilton decide to to leave the team? Um, you know, all this is still up in the air. But um, you know, when he spoke to to Will Buxton the other day, um, Valtteri Bottas, uh, they did an Instagram live video, uh, minimizing every mistake and maximizing every single race weekend is going to be the key because every mistake is going to cost more than in a normal championship um, with more than 20 races. Uh, now, this is obviously because I think they're, they're still rumoured to want to try and do 15 to 18 races this year, um, but we'd obviously only announced so many so far, um, which is all like the European races. Um, you know, there's obviously, they still want to, I think, you know, we're more or less confirmed for most of them. Uh, we're obviously going to finish in Abu Dhabi. I think Bahrain's the second to last one as well. Um, but yeah, so obviously there is going to be less races on the calendar and obviously for people that um, never normally fight for the championship, I'm not saying that Bottas didn't because he finished second last year, but for somebody who, you know, he was too, quite far away from Hamilton in the end, to be in that position where there are obviously less races, um, if you make less mistakes, you're obviously going to get more points, you're obviously going to get possibly more wins and that could win you the championship. So like you said, minimising the, the risks and minimising the issues that you had, are obviously going to help in terms of trying to win the championship this year. Um, it's an interesting season ahead. You know, he says there's a bit of an unknown after the first eight races, how the calendar is going to be. So we just need to take it every, uh, week by week, month by month, and we'll see. Um, yeah, so it could be like uh, obviously I don't think it would you know it would be that far um, you know that they would leave it, but it could be like well we might finish the season next weekend or something. It wouldn't that obviously wouldn't happen, but like you said, if if they go by week by week, month by month, then 
you know, it could be really interesting um, to see what happens in terms of Valtteri Bottas' season. Um, you know, I, I think it is a sort of tipping point as to what happens if he doesn't prevail. You know, Mercedes might go with George Russell or or some um, or somebody else. I think Esteban Ocon is obviously still in that list somewhere. Um, he's not discussed because he still hasn't started really his two-season contract with Renault. Um, but yeah, I think obviously if Valtteri Bottas doesn't perform again this year, will he still be in the team for for twenty twenty one? I'm not sure. So this is a sort of make or break season for Bottas, and and I really do hope because I've said it many times. Um, I really want Valtteri Bottas to succeed at Mercedes, um, just to have another on par um, competition. Uh, with Lewis Hamilton, I think he needs it. Obviously, we want to see it with other teams as well, but I think he needs to see it in terms of his team in, in itself. Um, a bit not too much like Rosberg because I think that got like really personal in the end. But I just think like an inter-team rivalry that is every weekend, um, you know, would be great for us to see at Mercedes. And and yeah, I think Bottas really does need to deliver this year. So it'll be interesting to see if he does. Um, this again is another reason why I'm looking forward to the start of the year because we've got so many things to discuss, so many things to talk about, uh, and that's obviously before the season has even started. I think you know what we see on the first weekend of of um, in the Austria Grand Prix uh, will be great to discuss. I think that that again will have a whole week's worth of of stuff to talk about. Um, so I'm going to have to try and find a lot of time to do more videos. I know it's it's been a bit. Um, uh, not as many videos as I'd like in the last couple of weeks, so obviously I apologise for that. Um, but um, yeah, it's obviously going to be a lot of, of, of videos to talk about and discuss, so I'm going to try and do as many as possible. I obviously really enjoy doing these these videos and, and the podcast for the audio as well. So um, yeah, th- there's going to be a lot to talk about, and, and like I said, I really want Valtteri Bottas to succeed this year. Um, most important thing, do you want Valtteri Bottas to succeed? You know, let me know in the comments. I'd really like to know what your thoughts are on the Finnish driver uh, and if you think he would actually challenge Lewis Hamilton for the Drivers' Championship this year. Um, it's probably going to be that they win the Constructors, but would they? Would Bottas win the Drivers' Championship? And the final thing we're going to talk about in this podcast is uh, what's going to happen in terms of the podium celebrations uh, and the podium ceremonies um, this season. Now, you know, there's been so many things discussed. In the last video, I talked about how Chase Carey was was talking about things um, and how they've tried to um, adjust for what's happened in terms of the the coronavirus pandemic and how they're changing Formula One and seeing what they can do um, to sort of obviously minimise risk but obviously social distancing and things like that. Um, traditionally, the grid um, before the start of the race is, is obviously packed. I mean, there's so many... Like, if if you didn't know much about Formula 1, if you asked somebody who, who didn't know much and you just said what happens, and, and they, they probably if they talked about the grid, they'd just say, you know, it's absolutely packed. It is packed. Drivers, mechanics, media, guests, you know, celebrities... Anybody that can get on the grid at that moment in time is on the grid. I mean, the worst one, I think, obviously, is uh, Monaco. I don't, I don't know how you can breathe in that situation. There's so many people there. It's it's unbelievable. Um, but there will be minimal numbers allowed in the new normal social distancing um, grid. Uh, the podium um, and the national anthems will do, uh, look different as well. Um, so F1 bosses have got creative. Hmm, that's interesting. I want to read more now. 
Now, because of the implementation of the procedures, we need to be safe and sure of the coronavirus situation. And this is Ross Braun speaking. And the practices we have had to uh, had in the past just can't be done. Um, the very packed grid was a feature of F1 jet racing. Um, it just can't happen uh, at this moment in time. So every aspect from time teams arrive to the time they, they leave has been thoroughly thought through. Uh, and it's not completely finalised, but we're working with the FIA to polish it. Um, so obviously podium celebrations like we see in Mexico and you know huge places like that obviously in the last year we saw the car that was lifted up onto the podium i thought that was a bit but um things like that won't be happening there where there won't be a dj dancing you know there won't hardly be any there won't be crowds to be honest you know in the first eight races at least i reckon so um yeah we're obviously going to talk about that um the podium um the podium procedure can't happen as it does now but we're looking at something on the grid after the race and one option would be to line the cars up on the track and the drivers will stand in front of cars. We can't present the trophies as you can't have someone in close proximity presenting a trophy. But we have worked it out. We have plans and procedures. We're looking at how we can present it on TV. Hmm. That doesn't sound promising. Yeah. I'm not sure actually what, what to, to say about that. I'm obviously, like I said, reading these, these quotes live. Um... We can't present the trophies um, as we normally would um, because of close proximity presenting a trophy, but we have worked it out. We have plans and procedures. We're looking at how we can present it on TV. So does that mean that the driver's going to get out of the car and hold his hands up like that and the trophy's going to magically appear on TV and he's like, yeah, like, oh, oh, I don't know. Um, all this, like I said, is going to be ironed out in the first uh, race. Um, but yeah, that does sound a bit funny, to be honest. Um Anyone who stood on the F1 grid will know without some kind of, of change, social distancing would be simply impossible. Therefore, some of the procedures we've been accustomed to on the grid will have to change. Things like the national anthem, you can't have all the drivers grouped together and you can't have our FIA future stars in front of them. Obviously, that makes sense. I totally understand about that. Um, they will still be part of the show virtually. So that means they'll be on like some sort of uh, platform like Zoom or something. Uh, they have the uniform sent to them and they'll send us videos of them with a message which can play so there's a lot of things we can do to make it entertaining right okay uh, a couple hours before a race the drivers typically board a truck or ride in a classic car and cruise around the track waving to fans that won't be possible given the close proximity to somebody else so they will be interviewed separately instead i don't see the point in doing a driver's parade because there won't be any fans so why would you even bring that up? That's a bit weird. Like They're not going to wave to the grandstands with nobody in them, are they? So, um, The driver's parade won't happen as we can't put 20 drivers on the back of the truck and take it around the track. Well, there won't be any fans there, so what? So instead we will interview each of them one, uh, each one of them in front of the garage, says Ross Braun. There are plenty of ways we can engage without compromising health and safety. And that's absolutely fine. I think that's what they should be doing anyway, because... One, there again, there won't be any fans there, and two, you know, everybody's going to be watching from home, obviously. So we're obviously going to want interviews of all the drivers before they start the the, the race. Um, we, like we said, we normally get that on the drivers' parade on the truck before the start of the the race, uh, and maybe on the grid walks and things like that that they do before before racing starts. Um, so they obviously they have to do, interview all the drivers. Um, yeah, yeah, the whole truck thing's a bit weird, to be honest. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's some of the things that they're already implementing. Honestly, I, I think, you know, we're obviously going to have to wait and see what it's like 
um, when the first race does come around, we will have to see you know what happens. Some some of it might be funny to watch, some of it might be a laughing stock, but you know we've just got to wait and see. It's a you know it's a new territory for literally everybody. You know from the media to the the teams. Um, to Formula One and the FIA themselves, you know, um, so it's it's going to be interesting, um, and uh, yeah, we've just got to wait really and see what what actually comes out of the first race. And obviously, I think as soon as um, the first race is over, they're obviously going to go into a discussion of what they can do for the second race and and if they can do things better. It's at the same track, so um, anything that they can learn from the first race, they're obviously going to use for the second race as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm laughing, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're just going to have to see um, what happens. Um, just quickly, um, it's something that's just popped up on the screen and I haven't discussed it um, before. I thought that was going to be my last point. It isn't um, because Formula One confirmed that the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, the Singapore Grand Prix and the Japanese Grand Prix have all been cancelled for this year. Um, now, my good friend Jamie Davis obviously went to the Singapore Grand Prix last year and he said it was one of the best experiences of his life. Um, so uh, he'll be gutted that the Singapore Grand Prix isn't on. I don't think he would have been able to go anyway, but um, you know I think he he he, he um, enjoys the Singapore Grand Prix. Um, I do enjoy the Singapore Grand Prix as well. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix is still up, is still sort of up for debate for me, um, and the Japanese Grand Prix as well is a great way. So it's a shame that they've been cancelled. Um, so that's another three races that won't be on the grid. And like I said, they are confident that they'll have fifteen to eighteen races this year, concluding with. Abu Dhabi, you know, that's already confirmed that if we don't have any other races, it will be European to Abu Dhabi to finish the year. Um, but, um, yeah, like I said, we've got two rounds in Austria. We've got two rounds. Uh, we've got a round in Hungary. We've got two rounds in Great Britain. Um, we've got a round in Spain, Belgium and Italy. Uh, so it could be eight races and then go straight to Abu Dhabi. We don't know yet. But the Singapore Grand Prix, the Japanese Grand Prix and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix will not happen in 2020. Um, so, yeah, um, that sort of rounds up everything. Um, it has been a bit of a weird video because I've literally um, just read it as I've gone along. So it's been a sort of um, learning and, and, and sort of uh, reading as I go along. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Um, you know, thank you very much for, for watching the video if you've, if you've stuck with it for the, the whole amount of time that I've done this um, and thank you very much for listening if you're listening via the podcast as well um, I do want to do more videos um, in the next few weeks obviously building up to the, the, the round of, of the first race in, of the Formula 1 um, I'm obviously going to do a preview of the race that's for sure I'm going to do a review um, after the first race as well um, we've obviously got the new um, Formula 1 game as well that will be coming out um, I would actually quite like the idea of maybe doing um, a sort of career mode thing, um, maybe on on the channel as well. I do like the look of the um, building your own Formula One team um, mode, so I could do one of them as well um, if, if that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, thank you very much um, everybody for for watching the video and like I said, listening on the podcast. If you are, um, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, like the video. I, I really would be appreciated of that. And of course, uh, you know, listen to every episode of the podcast uh, via the platforms that you're listening to. Um, like I said, thank you very much for watching and listening and I will see you all in the next episode. Take care.